Hello. Okay. Hello, church. My name is Andrew, and we will now be reading today's passage from 1 Timothy uh, 1, verses 3 to 20. And we, oh, please follow along in your own Bibles or on the screen. All right. As I urged you when I went to, into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that confirms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I, have, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and, dis and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invincible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. This is the reading of God's word. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to True North Church. For those that are new or visiting for the first time, and for those that are visiting online, uh, my name is Jay, I'm one of the pastoral staff, and I'll be delivering uh, the word of God today. Now, um, at the beginning of the year, uh, Pastor Eugene and I laid out a vision for our church as we made our way back from the pandemic. And looking back, it's quite remarkable how easily our spiritual muscles had atrophied so quickly and how easy it was for us to be conformed to a lifestyle uh, of just being focused inwardly and focusing on our own comfort and our safety. And the lockdown and isolation really showed how easy it was for us to become thoughtless of others as long as we had our own needs met. Um, for me personally, I was at home uh, with my kids. 
you know, and me and my wife, we both still had our jobs and I was able to find a good rhythm of work and family. Uh, my mother-in-law moved up to help wash the kids. And um, it was, so it was so nice and easy, right? And, and not only that, but my favorite hobby, golf, was thriving. It was the only safe activity that you were allowed to do to go outside and play golf. And uh, you know, all the, a lot of the young tech workers here at our church, they started getting into golf. So I had you know, plenty of people to play golf with. And uh, it was like uh, paradise. I had um, no other desire. My life was complete. You know, and then not only that, I discovered recipes on TikTok and I was able to make any kind of food I wanted. It was so easy to follow those recipes. Uh, and then DoorDash, they would just deliver the stuff to my house. It, it was amazing. And um, it was like, and just because of this malaise, it, it was important for us as a church uh, to try to reawaken our hearts to the call to make disciples of all nations. And, and to, for us as a church to recall our vision uh, of what it means to point the Bay Area to the true north and the gospel. So starting off in the year, uh, we went through a vision series together uh, where we really wanted to recapture and reclaim the purpose of our vision and mission. And so we were able to communicate this vision and mission uh, through this diagram where we explain what it takes to become a compelling disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and I don't know if you guys remember this picture. Are we going to have a picture up here? Hard to see, I know. But um, you guys kind of remember this circle, right? And we talked about the three things that we really want to focus on uh, throughout this year. And it was this idea of, of, of a formation, right? The, the fact that we wanted individuals to seek sanctification in their lives, uh, a desire to really uh, become more and more like Christ, to live according to scripture, to live according to the laws of God, to follow and, and, and live a life of obedience uh, as, as Christ become, makes us more and more like him. Uh, we talked about what it meant to be a uh, presence, right? The, the idea of, of having God's presence in worship, for us to be able to be also present in worship, both physically and spiritually. This idea that we come here not just to listen to some songs and, and hear a talk, but that we are coming very in the direct, uh, direct presence of God as we worship and glorify Him. And lastly, it was this idea of mission, uh, that we are citizens of heaven living as aliens here on this earth. And so what does it mean for us to live a purposeful life on mission to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us? Uh, what it means for us not just to live for our own careers and, and for our own selfish needs and our own selfish desires but for us to be uh, purposeful in, in spending our lives and our time for the sake of pointing people to G uh, the truth of the gospel in jesus christ and i want to take this opportunity for us in the last six months for us to take a look back uh, at how our church is doing in this in this goal uh, and I, I really believe that it's time for us, uh, you know, to celebrate wins in certain ways, right? Uh, the last six weeks we spent um, just really talking about worship and, and going over a sermon series. And I really believe that, uh, you know, this idea of presence was really manifested in the last six weeks. And, and the, the worship times that we've had, especially in the last three weeks, were some of the most powerful times of worship that I experienced together as a church. Uh, for us to really be present in the midst of, of, of God's you know, of God in our lives and here in the sanctuary, it, it was uh, a powerful moment where we were really able to just worship God for who he is and what he has done for us. Uh, I've seen uh, formation really take place and transformation really take place in the lives, not only of individuals, but also for us corporately. Uh, I, I've seen people living lives of repentance, you know, and, and this is the thing that oftentimes we don't really hear about, right? Because repentance can be sometimes a very private thing. Uh, but I've seen people repent of, uh, of certain things that they've struggled with, uh, seeking to become more and more like Christ in, in certain ways. 
We've seen a transformation occur as, as we've been having monthly prayer meetings. And, and, and you know, like, I'll, I'll be honest, when we first started, I was like, who's going to come besides me and Eugene, you know, maybe David. But we're, we're seeing more and more people come and people actually praying because they desire to become more and more like Christ. Seeing people, uh, you know, getting baptized here at church and, and seeking, uh, uh, seeking truth and wanting to become more and more like Christ. And, and even in our, in, in our desire to live on mission, we've seen uh, some community groups become more open to the idea of welcoming new members, right? Uh, some community groups welcoming the idea of, of knowing that this is an opportunity for people to be involved in community, to understand and learn about what it means uh, to learn about Jesus Christ. We've seen our hospitality ministry really make the effort uh, and to come together to welcome people who are visiting on Sundays and, and to provide a, 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 you know, a, a more comfortable and inviting uh, uh, church environment so that people can mingle and hang out. And, and even the fact that God has led us to Ellen Fletcher Middle School uh, prior of facility that's more, more equipped for us uh, to be welcoming and inviting to those around us. And even just in terms of outreach, the fact that we have, um, just yesterday, we had almost over 50 people go to East Palo Alto and, and help clean up uh, Hope Horizon. Uh, and it was just a wonderful time of, of thinking not just of our own community and ourselves, but those around us. You know, we've seen uh, different community groups take it upon their own um, own selves to go and, and volunteer at different organizations. Uh, you know, we've had, um, you know, we've hosted Link and, and uh, you know, just at, just other being more thoughtful of what it means for us to be present here in this community and to live not just for ourselves, but to live on mission, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. And so again, I, I, I want to remind us that as we gather and as we, as we journey together, that this is not something meaningless. Uh, we come together as a community, as a church, because we believe that there is a greater purpose in this life. That is not just about, you know, seeking out the American dream. It is not just about, uh, you, know, you know, moving on up in the corporate ladder. It is not just about finding friends, but it is really about loving God, enjoying him, and sharing his love with those around us. So now as we have spent um, the last six weeks talking about what it means to worship God, what it means for us to express our worship to him in a very tangible way, uh, we really want to kind of move on in our new sermon series through the book of 1 Timothy to, to see what it means for us to minister to those around us. If the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and the second is like this, to love others as you love yourself, uh, now we want to focus on what does it mean for us to minister to those around us? You know, uh, and I believe that if, if our worship and, and our expression of worship for God does not overflow towards loving and ministering to others, uh, then it's really gone to waste. So as we have spent this last six weeks worshiping God, now we want to spend the ne next four weeks about what it means for us to activate and apply that worship and love so that we can minister to the people around us who need God's love. So today we're going to be starting off looking at 1 Timothy, and, and we're really going to see kind of this idea of what does it mean for us to be called shepherds? What, what is this idea of, of being shepherds to a people um, like you and me? In, in a world where much of the emphasis is placed on leadership and influencers, there seems to be a, a calling that is separate here in Scripture that calls us to be more than that. And so we're going to look at what does it mean for, for us to be called shepherds. We're going to look at what is the role of the shepherd. And lastly, we're going to look at the character of the shepherd. So now um, there are certain things uh, that I think come at different orders or in the wrong order. 
right? And if you're my age, you're, you'll relate to this. If you're a little younger, you might not relate to this, but let me try to paint a picture for you. Uh, one of the greatest things that came in the wrong order was the invention of automatic lights in bathrooms, all right? So just stay with me here. Around the late 90s, um, mid-90s, they started installing automatic lights in public bathrooms. Okay, so oftentimes you'll see this in office buildings or doctor's offices, uh, sometimes in, in, in like, you know, re retail places. Uh, and the reason why this, is, this was bad was that if you stayed in the bathroom too long, the light will shut off. Some of you are too young to know the difficulty and the struggle of sitting in a bathroom waiting for someone else to enter so that the light turns back on. Now, there's only a period about, about three, four years where this was really bad. You know, like I've been, I, I've been in bathrooms for quite a long time and um, just waiting for someone to come in so that the light would turn on. Because what, what are you gonna do? It's pitch black. And then the cell phone was invented and then it made it all better. Because now you can just open up your phone and there's a little glow, right? That was enough, yeah, right? It, so it doesn't matter. I could sit in the bathroom, Light turns off, it's all good. I got my cell phone. And now with the iPhone, you, you, know, you got the flashlight. It's like, it illuminates everything. So it's all good. But that's, that's an, you know, I don't know why I made that example, but this is what I'm talking about, okay? And now in just in, the, in, in, in exactly the same way, there's certain things that are gone in, in opposite, uh, in, in the wrong order. And this, it's this idea that we all want to be leaders without becoming first shepherds. So now I'll kind of elaborate on that, but in our society, we've always had this fascination with leaders and influencers. And especially in the last 20 years, uh, there's been an overemphasis on the importance of leadership, especially in the corporate world, which kind of has bled into the evangelical church world. We began to see um, kind of the church mimic the corporate world as churches began to build, uh, you know, be built upon the foundation of gifted and charismatic leaders and influencers instead of being built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and God's word. And what we saw in the last several years is that many of these pastors who were elevated and glorified were, you know, ultimately found to have moral failures or, or you know, they burnt out or something, you know, negative occurred. And it's really interesting to see how the pattern of the world was, was the thing that the church was following after instead of the opposite, which is it should be the pattern of the, the church that the world should be following after. And here in the Silicon Valley especially, we saw and we've read many stories of young entrepreneurs and startup executives who are blazing the trail for young and brash leadership. When I first came here to the Bay Area, I mean, that was all the rage, right? The talk was, it doesn't matter about your experience or your age, like out with the old, in with the new. As long as you are young, charismatic, you were able to speak well, and you had a good idea, then they're going to propel you to leadership right away. So we saw the rise of, of like 20-year-old executives and 20-year-old entrepreneurs and founders of startups, and they were given all the power and authority and all the praise, and they were billionaires, some of them, at an age before they even turned 30. Now, kind of now that we've had a few years to see how this has developed, we've seen that many of them um, have kind of just faltered off, right? The greatest example of that is Elizabeth Holmes. Um, she, you know, she was a person who was elevated highly to be, you know, a successful and she, but we realized that, you know, her entire company was built on lies and now she's in prison. Side note, if I ever go to prison, I hope I go to the same prison she does because it looks nice. It, it looks like, it, lo it looks like a getaway, you know? Anyways, um, 
And so now we, it's interesting because I think, you know, even when I was growing up, there was this idea, and, and also because of, of, of my Asian background, there was this idea of, of honoring those that are older, having a little bit more experience. And then it, it kind of completely switched where it didn't matter about your experience. It didn't matter about your age. All that mattered was, do you have a desire for leadership? Do you have uh, the charisma for leadership? Do you have the giftedness for leadership? And that's all we looked at, and that's all we cared about, and that's all we elevated and, and, and we lifted those people up. Even now in the corporate world, we see that many of these people who are quote unquote the, the, the leader of leaders, the untouchables, uh, that many of them are, are kind of being exposed. You know, um, Elon Musk, I remember, I remember coming um, to the Bay Area and speaking to one of the church members who is no longer here, and he was telling me about Elon. I had, I had no idea who Elon Musk was, to be honest. And he was telling me about Elon Musk, and he's like, he's like Tony Stark. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, like, he's a genius. He, like, you know, wants to do good things. But now he's more like Lex Luthor, right? He's, he's like, evil, right? He's kind of weird. He's, he's a, we, we see that all these things that we elevated are no longer things that we really elevate anymore. And they're being exposed. And what's happening here in the book of 1 Timothy is that Apostle Paul, he's writing a letter to a young pastor named Timothy. And he's giving him instructions on what it means to be a shepherd. And he's, giving them, and he's giving them commands, he's giving them advice, and right away we see that the first thing that he is urging Timothy towards is a warning against false teachers. So it says in verse 3, I urge you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote a speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And check this out in verse 6. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. The, the, the error of these false teachers was that they had a desire to be teachers of the law even though they have no understanding of what they are saying. And I think this is exactly a, a fair warning for us today. Where because of what the world has taught us, that it doesn't matter about your age, it doesn't matter about your experience, it doesn't matter about your knowledge, as long as you are, you're, you're charismatic and can talk well and you're, and you're liked, that you can be a leader. And so there's this kind of culture within a lot of churches where we have neglected the, the spiritual disciplines of prayer, of studying God's word, of growing in humility, and yet what we want is authority. We want respect. We want a voice. We want to be able to make decisions. We want people to kind of take us seriously. On what basis, though? On what basis? Now, I remember um, about eight years ago when I, when, while I was up here in the Bay Area, there was a, a pastor that I knew, and uh, he was much younger than me, and uh, he had just got, received a job uh, at, at a kind of a, a mega church in, in the area that he was in, and then his, um, you know, his head became really inflated. And so, uh, you know, and, and, and this is not a knock on him, kind of, but, you know, this is an example. I, I, I remember, um, you know, he... He created a website, it listed all of his accomplishments, 
he created his social media account, and it was no longer like videos of you know him doing you know drinking coffee. It was like it, it was just his sermons over and over again, the same point over and over again. He was really trying to you know promote himself, and then on his website soon at the very bottom it was if you want consultation, fill this form out, you know. And, and then so it soon became like here's a here's a guy who was like 28 years old, no kids, one year of ministry experience. And now he was promoting himself as a church consultant and coach. And at first I was like, that's cool. He's young. Let him do what he wants to do. But some of the older guys, they were really upset. They're like, who is this kid that has zero experience, and yet he believes that he has the, uh, the authority and the expertise to become a church consultant? And I was like, you fogies, you don't know what you're talking about. Let him, let, let him live, right? But the more I think about it now, I realize that, that, that they were right. They were right. There are so many of us who first desire leadership without any experience of shepherding. And this is the call that Apostle Paul is making very clear to Timothy, that there are people within the church in Ephesus who desire to be teachers, and yet they have no understanding of what they're teaching. And so when we really take a look at what the culture has taught us, it has taught us you can be whatever you want. You are special. You should, you should, you should lift up your voice. You should talk, you know, use your authority. You should seek, you should seek a leadership. And, and I'm not saying, and this is bad, all right? Like, um, you know, it, we should have leaders. There are certain things. But first of all, first and foremost, within, within Christianity, within the church, God first calls us to be shepherds. Now, some of us are called to be shepherd leaders, but not, all, not everyone. We are first called to be humble servants, shepherding the flock around us. Apostle Peter, in his letter in 1 Peter, uh, he says there's the, it's the priesthood of all believers. Right? We are all called to minister to one another. And yet many of us, we fall in line with the, what the world teaches, and we desire leadership, not shepherdship. So now second... Not only is the call of shepherding uh, something of humility, we see the role of shepherding being very specific. Apostle Paul, he says he urges Timothy um, you know, to you know, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation, rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Okay, so now we might, we're tracking here. We're like, okay, the role of the shepherd is someone who defends faith, who defends doctrine. And I think that's something that we, especially if you grew up in a conservative church like, like me and, and most of us here, uh, that's something that we can all agree upon, right? And maybe perhaps, maybe in your younger ages or in college or you are very staunch about doctrine and, and keeping the truth, uh, you are very, you know, firm about cert what, uh, certain ways that should be done and certain things that shouldn't be done. But then in verse 5, Apostle Paul makes it very clear. He says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart with a good conscience and a sincere faith. So when we look at the role of the shepherd, it is not just that you are defending doctrine. It is not that you are just defending truth. You are doing so with the purpose of loving those around you. So I think there's a, a, a sense where oftentimes we, we make the mistake of going so far to one end where all we care about is doctrine and truth. So as long as people do, if people do not agree with it, then, you know, 
you're, you're, you're cut off from us. You know, there's certain tenets that we have to keep. There's certain doctrines that will never change. And all we care more, we care more about the doctrine than about the people. There's the, the flip side where we say, you know what, we're just going to focus on the people. We're not going to care about doctrine. Both of those things fail at verse 5, which is the, the aim is love. The role of the shepherd is to understand the balance between the both. To know that we are called to be defenders of doctrine and truth, and yet we are also called to lovingly love those around us. Because when we think about the role of the shepherd, it is not only just understanding and knowing correct doctrine and truth, but are, do we have the wisdom and experience to correctly apply that in love? And Apostle Paul, he goes on in verse 8, and he makes it very clear. He says, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. He says, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And right away, you would think, okay, to use the law lawfully means that we have to, you know, obey it to the T and make sure that we follow all of God's commands. But then he doesn't say that. He says, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and the sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers. He goes on and lists all the, basically the, the sins that we all struggle with. And he says, the law is laid down for them. That in order for the charge for us to be, uh, you know, do this in love means that we must teach the law for those that struggle in keeping the law. That the aim and goal is not for us to list out all the correct doctrine and all of our tenets of faith and all of our, you know, the things that we believe in, but that we would use that so that we can love those people who don't agree with it, who may struggle with it who have a difficult time following it because that in itself is the very essence of the gospel. Now, um, I, I think practically speaking, applying this charge for us to uh, uh, love others with a pure heart is something that takes time. Okay. Um, this year marks uh, my ninth year here in the Bay Area and at True North. Uh, and it marks the longest time I've been at a church. Previously, my previous church, I was there eight years. Okay? And um, church before that was my first church I served at. I was there for four years. Uh, now, nine years I've been here. Uh, I realize it's, it's a long time, right? And for some of you, um, you guys have been here with me all nine years. You've seen my beard grow from black to kind of graying now, you know? My hair was always gone, so it's okay. Um, and, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is this. Even at nine years, I feel like I'm barely scratching the surface with some of you. And I feel like you, you probably feel like you're barely scratching the surface, surface with me. Even in nine years, I've seen slow growth in people where I'm like, man, that is a monumental step. Even in nine years, I've seen some of you not come to church for a few years and then come back. I've seen some of you serve 
wholeheartedly and then step back from that and then come back serving wholeheartedly. I've seen so many changes in, in a lot of you, both good and bad. It's ups and downs. Because shepherding and, and, and loving others is a time-consuming relational act. It is not just a four-week discipleship program. It is not just something that happens within, you know, one conversation or, or one coffee or one lunch. It, it's not something that is always, uh, you know, a, a positive, you know, a, a hill that you climb up. It is the ups and downs of the relational hardships and difficulties that we have. It, it is the ups and downs of, of the, the life difficulties that you have in your own life. And then the life difficulties that the people around you have, and then coming together, wanting to love one another, pointing each other to the truth of the gospel, that we're all sinners in need of salvation. The role of shepherds is not one that is filled with praise and glory and honor. The role of shepherd is not you posting a video of yourself with a highlight clip and then seeing how many likes you get. And then becoming an influencer and, you know, pointing the camera to yourself in the car and be like, hey, guys. Not, if you do that, you know, I'm not making fun of you. Okay? If you do that, I'm not making fun. I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying we, we have become a generation where we're all about cheap leadership and influence and not about deep shepherding and love and care for one another. Lastly, we see the character the character of a shepherd is one that embraces grace and cultivates self-awareness within themselves. Apostle Paul, um, you know, you would think that Apostle Paul would kind of charge Timothy. He's a young pastor, right? And then be like, hey, and, and do, as I, do as I do. Like, I'm awesome. You know, like, I'm the best missionary around. Like, I, I Gigi pwned Peter, you know? The other disciples, like, they got nothing on me. I got shipwrecked. I got whipped. I got stoned. I came back to life, kind of, according to depending on which interpretation you you you, you know you listen to. Um, there's I'm I'm pretty dope, you know. And, and that's kind of like the way that we operate, right? Like if you go on LinkedIn, uh, and you guys all have LinkedIn, uh, what do you do? You list all of your accomplishments, right? No one's LinkedIn profile is like, oh yeah, once I got fired here. Um, I really take like really long bathroom breaks, you know. My skill is that uh, I, I, I look busy, but I really do nothing, you know. Uh, I'm really good at telling people what to do. You know what I mean? No one, no one does that, right? Everyone's like, you know, I'm good at Excel. Um, I, I'm good at leadership, you know. Like, you know, my greatest weakness is that I work too hard and I care too, you know, like, because that's, that's what our, 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 you know, society tells us. And especially even in leadership, like, you, you, what do you, you kind of got to fake the funk, right? You got to act like you know what you're doing. Here, Apostle Paul takes a completely separate and different approach. He lists out all the things which means, which means that he requires God's grace in his life. He says, I thank him who has given me strength. He doesn't say, I, I have strength within myself. He says, I thank him who has given me strength. Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to a service. He says he was, he, was, he was appointed to the service. He didn't take it. He says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, 
an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And then he says, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. And I want, to, I want you to kind of take a look at here. He doesn't say Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I was foremost. He uses the present tense. He says of whom I am foremost. The fact that Apostle Paul, even in this stage of his life and ministry, would claim that he is still the foremost of sinners shows that he has the awareness to know that he does not compare himself to those around him, but he compares himself to his Savior, Jesus Christ, one who is perfect and without sin. And when he does that, he still sees himself as the foremost of sinners. The character of a shepherd is one who humbly understands that he needs the grace of God in his life daily and every minute. Oftentimes, we don't do that. I don't do that. I am really good at comparing myself with others. Okay? And if you, guys, if you guys have known me a little bit and, and you play sports, you know I love making rankings of people, right? Because it's all about comparison, you know? And even right now, like, if I see somebody, I know exactly how tall you are. You know why? Because I'm short. And I want to compare myself. Like, who's shorter than me? I know everyone who's shorter than me here at this church. Okay? I, I, I do. And, and, and if, you are, if you are a male, like, and you have good hair, I've already ranked you in my mind who has the best hair at our church because I don't have hair, right? And, and we do that with everything else. We compare ourselves to others and we say, at least I'm not as bad as this person. Or at least I am better than this person. Or how come this person is, is in this position when I think I would do a better job than this person? It happens at work. It happens at church. It happens even in our homes. Apostle Paul does none of that because he understands that the, his comparison comes not with the people around him, but with his perfect Savior, one who is without sin. And when he does that and he sees that he is the one who needs grace most of all, then he's able to humbly guide and minister to the people around him, even though they may be annoying even though they may bring grief, even though they make his life more difficult, even though when they are acting ignorantly. He doesn't say, I am the Hebrew of Hebrews, born of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee, to a, a persecutor. He doesn't say, I have everything. I have all the qualifications. In Philippians chapter 3, he lists all his qualifications and he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And then here in 1 Timothy, again, he reiterates it and says, I am foremost of sinners. And yet he was one of the greatest missionaries, pastors, and shepherds that we have experienced here in this world. The character of a shepherd is one who humbly understands that without Christ, that he is nothing. Hum who humbly understands that even in all his giftedness and all of your, your, your strengths and all of the things that you are good at still counts as nothing compared to what Christ has to offer. And therefore, 
the people around us, we humbly minister to them. A leader oftentimes leads from the front. A shepherd is one who guides the flock from, from the back. And the more and more I, I realize, uh, and the more and more I think about this passage, I, I see that the need for our church is not people who desire to be leaders. The need for our church are people who humbly seek the grace of God in their lives so that they can become shepherds, emulating and mimicking the ultimate shepherd in Jesus Christ. My hope and my prayer is that we will have an entire room full of humble shepherds ministering to one another, loving one another, not for, for glory, not for respect, not for praise, but because we can humbly and honestly say, of all sinners, I am foremost.